0: Well, it got ugly yesterday in the uh, White House briefing room. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the uh, historical uh, history-making black gay press secretary, uh, was appearing with the cast of the Apple TV series Ted Lasso. Uh, I do not have Apple TV, so I'm not a watcher of Ted Lasso. I've seen a clip or two of it. Uh, Seems like a funny show. It's probably a vulgar show. Uh, but at any rate, uh, she was there for, you know, a happy-go-lucky moment. am going to talk about mental health with the uh, people from Hollywood who, of course, are the happiest people and the healthiest mentally healthy people in the world are those in Hollywood, right? Who obsess about their appearance and, uh, you know, how many lines they're getting, counting them down to the word. What better devotees and advocates for mental health could you have than actors and actresses? And into the midst of this injected a gentleman by the name of Simon Atiba, his complaint that Corinne Jean-Pierre has not called on him for going on one year. See, in the White House briefing room, you raise your hand, start to shout your question. You got to be a bulldog, a pit bull, stick with your question, talk over the other people who are asking questions, and eventually everybody else stops talking. And if you're still talking... Uh, You win the question lottery and you get your question answered. Well, Simon Atiba has tried this and tried this and tried this. And whenever he gets to the point where he is the last one talking, Corinne Jean-Pierre admonishes him about being rude and stepping on his colleagues and he should know his place. Now, she could, of course, not get away with this if she were not black because Simon Atiba is black. And I can only imagine if a white press secretary for a Republican president treated a White House correspondent who is black like Simon Atiba the way Corinne Jean-Pierre treats him, uh, well, there would be all kinds of accusations flying. But of course, she is insulated from all such accusations because she is, as I mentioned a time or ten, gay and black. So uh, here is how it began in the press room yesterday when Corinne Jean-Pierre stepped up to the podium with the cast of Ted Lasso to talk mental health. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. Okay. seven You've Welcome. Welcome to the press briefing room. Welcome. Welcome to the press briefing room. This is what I deal with every day. This guy getting on me. Now, he persisted, at which point other White House correspondents from other networks started to get in on the act. And what do you think? Like a good journalist, do you think they stood up for Simon Atiba? Do you think they said, hey, you know, this is unfair, Corinne. You haven't called on Simon in forever. Why don't you let him ask a question? That would have been what I would have done. In fact, that is what I have done in past years. I remember sitting at a press conference one time where the subject of the press conference said, I'm not going to talk if that guy's in the room. He wasn't talking about me. He was talking about somebody from the Columbus Dispatch. And so the guy from the Dispatch got up and left the room, and I said, I'm leaving too. If you're not going to talk to him, I don't want to talk to you. That is what a good journalist would do. But that happened 30 years ago, of course. None of our current superior journalists know anything about journalism. So this is how it sounded when they instead of coming to the aid of Simon Atiba, joined with Corinne Jean-Pierre in lecturing him. You some people in the briefing room because you don't like them, you don't like So people. you have a choice. No, you, you have a choice. A, you make you make have make a make choice. A okay. In the and I'm saying that that's not right. This is not China. This is not Russia. This is the United <laughs> States. This is the White House. This is the White House. I thank you. This is the White House. Mr. Kim too, pal. This is the White House. You guys are not me. Even you should bring them to her later. I have right done that. I have done that. All believe team members have the press corps is tired of dealing with this. It, it isn't I mean about you, that Simon. That you get questions all the time, and you so don't you decide why it is to stay here for eight months and being discriminated against. Understand that you know. you you're in and the front row And you've been constant people in the back who don't get any question. Don't make assumptions about what the rest of us do. Mind your manners when you're in here. If you have a problem, you bring it up afterwards. But you are impinging on everybody in here who's only trying to do their job. Wow. He got lectured by other reporters. Yeah, who was the last guy there that was... I don't know. Came forward I can't lectured. say Can for okay. certain who it was. But it... Um, I think I have, let me check something here. I think I might have Zeke Miller of the Associated Press. Okay. When everything finally calmed down. Yeah, you could hear that last guy pretty well. When he finally calmed down and Simon got his beef voiced and he got lectured by the other reporters, I believe this is Zeke Miller from the AP, who, this is the most egregious thing any reporter can do. First, It's first a, a quick moment of personal privilege here. I just want to express uh our apologies to the press forward to the folks watching at home for the display you saw earlier. Our responsibility is to them. They're here to ask questions on their behalf to hold their government accountable, that they can all be here. Um uh, this is this isn't about us. Um so with that, uh um... so what he did there he said, you know, I appreciate that I get to ask a question. But first I'd like to take a moment of privilege. And I'd like to apologize for the scene that just played out here because we are here to ask questions for the American people. And I just find the scene that just happened, I just find it so deplorable. In other words, hey, Corrine, I got your back. And the next time I want to ask a question, make sure to count on me. I'm a good guy, Corrine. I'm on board with the Biden administration policies. You don't have to worry. I'll never give you any trouble. I wanted to throw up when I heard that. This guy's with the Associated Press. I used to know a lot of people who worked at the Associated Press. And the Associated Press, they always had a kind of a liberal bent, but they worked really, really hard to hide it. Now they're not even making an attempt to hide it anymore. No, they don't. That's, it's a joke. It is I, a joke. I was curious who Simon Atib, um, Atiba yes. worked for. So I looked it up. Today's Today News Africa yeah. yes. is what it says. Today News Africa. Yeah. But they're allowed to be there. Sure, of course. He's a credentialed member of the media. Exactly. So let him ask a question. She won't because he's clearly conservative and she doesn't want him to be heard. I was going to say, he must have asked something somewhere along the line that she didn't want to answer. So there you go. She's clearly made up her mind. She does not like him and she is going to hold him accountable for it. Now, speaking of tough scenes, the president and CEO of Norfolk Southern Railroad yesterday – was in front of the Pennsylvania legislature. And somebody there was uh, in his grill on his explanation for the, quote-unquote, controlled burn of the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. East Palestine is, of course, right on the Pennsylvania border and the eastern border of Ohio and the western border of Pennsylvania. And so they were asking Alan Shaw yesterday... ...about the controlled burn, and they wanted to know the question that we've gotten an answer to... ...but nobody's really, like, flat come out and said, yep, I was the one who decided it, that we were going to detonate this. Who okayed the big mushroom cloud of toxic chemicals? And who decided that that was a better avenue to pursue than just leaving everything alone and waiting to see what would happen naturally? And Alan Shaw, CEO... Of Norfolk Southern said what he has said before, which is, well, everybody met and all this, but ultimately, ultimately, it all comes down to the fire chief of East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, then Doug Mastriano, yes, the same Doug Mastriano who ran for governor, who ran for Senate and got smoked. Uh, Mastriano said, You're blaming this on a chief in East Palestine, correct? So your cars are on fire, it's your rail, it's your incident, and you're going to leave it to a local fire chief who's likely never had to deal with this before. And Alan Shaw's response was, Well, I think it's important to know that the vent and burn worked. The air testing throughout the process says that the air is clean. Well, then they brought in an environmental expert and a civil engineer from Purdue University, who said that the impact of that burn has impacted in five states as many as 37 million people and that it is far too soon to tell whether it is in fact no danger to those people because it's his opinion they're not testing for the right things. So as we've said all along, this is a long developing story. Now, we are a nation of immigrants. We're told that all the time. We're a nation of immigrants. So it is um, fitting, I guess, that our president, Joe Biden, is uh, the most Polish, Jewish, Black, Puerto Rican, Greek, Irish, Catholic, Persian president ever. Yes. Joe Biden, the multicultural president for all nations at the White House yesterday, uh, along with Dr. Jill Biden honoring uh, women from Iran fighting for freedom in the Islamic State uh, had this to say about a topic that has apparently fascinated him uh, without anyone knowing it for the entirety of his half century political career. You know, the Persian culture is amazing as a student of the Persian culture, as a student, not a practitioner, (laughs) but a <laughs> as a student of the Persian culture, not a practitioner, but as a student of the Persian culture, uh, this will no doubt remind you of uh, this little moment in Joe Biden's past. When you're involved in the civil rights movement as a kid in high school, I used to go down to the black church. I go to 7:30 mass. I'm a practicing Catholic. Then I go to 10 o'clock, and then we sit and plan what we're going to do in terms of desegregation. You think I'm joking? I'm not. No, of course you're not. Yeah, you're not joking. You're not. Uh... Not embellishing. And then there's this, of course. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second, Joe. I had your mute button on. Sorry, pal. Let's try it again. As well, when I was chairman of the Judiciary Committee, I spent a lot of time in the northern part of the state. Oh, that was when he was talking about Puerto Rico. He's Mr. Puerto Rico. He was raised in the Puerto Rican community, he said. He was raised in the black church in the Puerto Rican community while being a devout Catholic was captivated by the Persian culture he is a man for all nations Joe Biden (laughs) for sure now yesterday it was noteworthy that when he said this about being a uh, student of the Persian culture uh, Dr. Jill Biden looked like she was uh, back in class at the community college in Delaware where she used to teach and somebody had given her an answer so nonsensical that it made absolutely no sense, no sense at all. Uh, this guy cannot be trusted on a live mic when he is off-prompter. That's one reason why I think that, while it is shocking to me, that the Democrats have not yet developed a backup plan to him as their candidate in 2024, uh, I do not believe that he will be able to weather a political campaign, and I do not believe they will be able to hide him as they have hidden him in the past, or certainly hid him the last time that he uh, hid in his basement during COVID and ran for president. And one of the things, and I mentioned this yesterday and I will bring it up again today, is that it appears to me that the mainstream media is getting tired of him. Here is a report on MSNBC yesterday about economic conditions in our country right now. As economists warn of financial troubles to come, there is growing evidence that the average American household just isn't ready, isn't preparing and has no fail safe. All of it laid out in worrisome detail in an NBC report on how savings accounts are shrinking and debt levels rising, leaving more consumers on shaky footing. Americans spent about half of the savings they accrued during the pandemic, more than a trillion dollars. Credit card balances jumped $61 billion to a record high at the end of 22. And auto loan debt, it's up $94 billion. Now those are all numbers in line with what Josh Pick has shared with us here on Money Monday and on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Those are real numbers. Those are numbers that I think the vast majority of the American electorate feels. Uh, are you like me? Are you at the point where you have a couple of vehicles that have more than nosed past one hundred thousand miles, and you are thinking about, you know, round the corner? a year or two away, I'm going to have to replace this car or I'm going to have to deal with some major repairs. And now, instead of paying eh, $25,000 for a car, $30,000 for a car, you're looking at the price tag and it's $45,000 for a car. And you're wondering, how am I going to do this? Joe Biden keeps telling me everything's fine, inflation is coming down, real wages are up. It's not just MSNBC that is telling the truth on this. Here's a recent report from ABC News, John Carl, who does their Sunday morning show. Our new poll this morning with the Washington Post shows significant warning signs for Democrats. More than half of the country disapproves of Biden's job performance, weighed down by significant discontent over the economy. Forty percent say they are worse off financially than they were two years ago. The most negative response to that question in nearly 40 years of our polling. And as Biden prepares for a likely 2024 reelection campaign, less than a third of Democratic voters want to see him renominated. Now, you know what this is? When MSNBC and ABC are reporting those facts, it is the equivalent of the cheerleaders for your local high school team shouting, miss it, at the member of your team who is shooting a game winning free throw. These are supposed to be the people who are cheering for everything Joe Biden does, who are finding a way to twist the numbers, to make him appear like he is having the fantastic presidency that he keeps telling you he's having. But the numbers are getting harder and harder to twist. Here are some yesterday from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Again, not a partisan organization. It's a government agency. Inflation has outpaced wages for nearly two years Oh, what happened two years ago? Who changed offices two years ago? Oh, that would be Joe Biden with Donald Trump. U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks real average hourly earnings, which are the wages of Americans with rising inflation taken into account. Ah, now we're going to get some perspective. From February of 2022 to last month, real average hourly earnings decreased three-tenths of a percent. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the change in real average hourly earnings combined with a decrease of 0.9% in the average work week resulted in a 1.2% decrease in real average weekly earnings over the period. What does that mean? It means that since Joe Biden has taken office, the dollar has lost about 15% of its purchasing power. And another way to say that is... That what you used to be able to purchase for $100 when Joe Biden came into office will now cost you $115. They're fond of saying real wages are up. They're up! Real wages are up! They are up, 5%. Inflation is 7%. Are you keeping up? No, you are not keeping up. And if this continues, if he continues to spend money the way he has spent it on Build Back Better, the infrastructure plan, student loan deferment. The deficit, which is now at $31 trillion, is projected to be $50 trillion within a decade. So when you have real inflation of 6% year over year, and 12% since Joe Biden took office because 6% one year and 6% the next year, according to my West Liberty Salem high school math is 12%. And a rising consumer price index, which came out in February and freaked out Jerome Powell to the point that he went to Congress and said, we've raised rates and it's not doing the job with inflation. We got to raise it again. And then the banks started to fail. Do you feel like everything is collapsing from everywhere all at once? Yeah, that's not a movie everywhere, everything everywhere, all at once. That's the Biden economy.